Let's light this candle. Yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> really? I'm going to give it a real listen. Okay. I'm just being a hater. This fine. Oh, now that shaker pan. Yeah. yeah. One thing about Michael Jackson records is his vocal is always really quiet. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. Because I think that's, like, important to yeah. the sound. And he knows it, too. And it's also nice to hear a song about, like, yo, change yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is a song about, like, personal accountability. Which is cool. Yeah. It's like an important thing to explore in the art space. Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like. I'm Ben Williams, and I'm here with Luke Campolietta. We're two music industry professionals in Atlanta, Georgia, and we love talking about the songs that we like, songs that we don't like, just talking about music in general. There's always so much to pieces of music. There's always so much more to pieces of music than what just kind of first hits your ear, and it's fun to kind of unfold the layers, as it were, of songs. Today's song is Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. It was released in February of 1988 and shot to the top of the charts for multiple weeks. It was written by Saida Garrett and Glenn Boward and produced by our Lord and Savior Quincy Jones. When Jones and Jackson got together to work on the Bad Album, that's the title of the album. It's pretty good, actually, but it's called... They were looking for a song, Jones and Jackson were looking for a song that they hoped would spread some sunshine on the world. And this is the one they went with. It's pretty interesting because this is, to my knowledge, I think it's the only Michael Jackson song if, of his like solo career that was an outside write, meaning mm-hmm. that he did not write it. It was like pitched to him by these songwriters. Really? Yeah, which is kind of cool. And it doesn't really, it does sound different from his other songs a little bit. It mm-hmm. feels a little different. Um but but it still like has like all the elements that like Michael Jackson fans love. Something that's really cool about this song is I found a lot of legit articles that from like Rolling Stone, you know, um, Downbeat, like things like that. That said that this they like cite this song as like containing one of the greatest key changes in the history of popular music. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, there's some great ones out there. Yeah, yeah. For Oh, for sure. It's hard to pick, like, the best the one. one. Yeah. Because what I like about this one is it's so, like, from left field. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, the other, like, obviously, like, the Beyonce love on top. Yeah. Those key changes at the end yeah, are yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, after you do one or two of them, it's yeah. like, okay, the, you know the pattern and you know what's coming. Also, she, like, took that from uh stevie wonder golden lady true. it's like that like he got there first as That's always true. But, but those are great ones yeah yeah because those are like key changes for the sake of like showing off a little bit i mean that in they're a good running, way yeah, like yeah. They're running off in a good it's way it's like a virtuistic key change where it's like look at right. my control right whereas this one is like more emotional it's like at the yeah. apex of the song emotionally it's like let's just go like let's inspire the people yeah i mean the song like the thing about this song when i listen to it is it's it's very linear, like from verse to chorus, back to verse, back to chorus. Yeah. Is not, there's not like a huge dynamic change. Yeah, yeah. But then when this key change happens and then the big backgrounds come in, it's like there's the dynamic yeah, change. Yeah, it's like that's like the moment of the that's song. That's the moment, Which yeah. is like, I think that's cool. I, I feel like I really like this form. I don't know exactly what it's called, but where it's just kind of like regular song form and then has like a longer 
outro section right. that is almost like an it's it's weird because it's the outro but it's almost like an overture in the sense that it like contains elements from the other parts exactly. of the composition i really like this song form yeah. um it's so cool with like a lot of different styles of music and i especially like it here because like the song is obviously about like looking inward you know that the the like um the Gandhi Facebook quote. Right. I don't think he's Gandhi's on Facebook, but you know what I'm talking about. It like, was like a motivational poster you see in elementary school. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty dumb. Like when you just think about it, but like when you go deeper and you like believe it, it's like, oh damn, this is true. And like, I think like this song form like reflects processing that feeling. Mm-hmm. Cause at first it's like, it seems it's like, it's kind of quiet and like intimate and you're like, I've got to change myself. And then when you start to really do it, it like explodes with that key change situation. Yeah. And then, you know, you start to see like how changing yourself affects other people. Right. And I think that part of the song like really communicates that energy. It's only natural for a song about changing yourself to change keys. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's only natural. There we go. That's exactly what I said, but like in, in like a succinct, intelligent way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so sick thing about the gospel choir. This was like one of the most fun tidbits I found in the song. The same gospel choir that sang on this track also sang on Madonna's Like a Prayer, which is like another like big gospel-y kind of thing from the era. The name of the the choir was the Andre Crouch Gospel Choir. Mm. This is the the next thing is like the coolest thing I have ever thought of. Um, Andre Crouch himself, he was like a dyslexic. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he created mental images of the songs to remember the lyrics. Interesting. Which, like, I was thinking about that. Like, obviously, it's super unfortunate that he's, like, dyslexic. But, like, when you think about communicating in um, mental or emotional images instead of words, like, that's so much deeper. I mean, it's cool when people use their disabilities for, like, a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, when I, I, did, I didn't mention it on the podcast, but I remember mentioning to you when we were talking about the Fleetwood Mac drummer. Yeah, yeah. He's dyslexic. Ugh, dyslexic. Yeah. And how he accredited that to like his cool drum fills. Oh, cool. Because he didn't see yeah, the yeah, drums yeah. Like, and, or feel the drums like how the other drummers did. And so it's cool. So instead of being like, oh, I'm dyslexic, like I have this problem, it's like, oh, like because of this, I can do this cool thing yeah. that no one else can really do. I mean, I just think that like that's such a cool, like that could be like such a a much more like emotionally evocative way of like seeing a set of like lyrics. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wonder what his, his images were for the song. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That's cool though. That yeah. choir sounds amazing. Like yeah. When the choir I, comes in, it's like, Oh yeah. They good. sound great. Yeah. Uh, look, something Luke and I were talking about when we were listening to it was we were just, and like, this is just silly to think about. We were thinking about how different the song would sound if it came out in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is maybe not that different. Oh, really? Because like, I think a lot of music today, especially like pop music, less dancey, but like this is, mm-hmm. I wouldn't consider this like a dance song, you know? Yeah. But like a pop song, it's like, it's almost like they have less elements today. It's like one vocal. They got yeah. like either it's like a piano or a guitar and then they got the drum beat. I think it'd be pretty similar. It, yeah. You think so? That's right. I'm going to go with that. I bet. I feel like it'd have like a, a backbeat and like, well, yeah, be, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it would yeah. just like. Like the, maybe the drum beat will be a little bit more cool. Yeah. Like well, this one is very like straight ahead, <laughs> you know. No key change. Nowadays. And it's not gonna have that gated snare drum. Nice. No. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about Michael Jackson's voice because obviously it's like the most up. Not not it's not the most upfront thing. Okay, let me re- redo that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> 
I want to talk about Michael Jackson's voice, like how it was recorded, how would you record somebody who kind of sings like that, and then also just talk about like where it sits in the mix. Like, let's just talk about Michael Jackson's voice for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. The, the first thing, obviously, is like Michael Jackson's voice is super percussive. Yeah. So like you need a, spe- you need a certain type of microphone to handle that. Like yeah. not all microphones are created equal. So it's like really widely known and famous that Michael Jackson recorded on a Shure SM7. The original SM7 is sick. It's super similar to the one they they have right now, yeah. obviously. But um, what's special about the SM7 and the SM7B is that it's a dynamic microphone, meaning it's usually used to record sounds that are like really high SPL dynamic yeah. level. Like a really common thing is you use dynamic microphones on drum sets. So like, you, would you use like a dynamic microphone on something that's like a little more unpredictable? It's unpredictable. Yeah, like you yeah. kind of don't know what's, it's like, it, so a snare drum, you don't know if he's going to smack it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's like unpredictable. Um, where normally when you're recording a vocal, you'd use a condenser microphone, which is like really clear and pristine and nice. And um, I think because Michael Jackson's voice is so percussive and dynamic is why they, they feel like the SM7 was like yeah. the microphone choice for him to use. Yeah, because he's can like, handle it. Because he's like doing some really weird stuff with his voice that like it's it's because it's michael jackson yeah it's mainstream right yeah. but if you if like somebody were to come out now and they were to start saying singing and it was just like a bunch of like i think people would be like what the fuck is going on yeah the only person yeah. i think of that has done that and made it popular is timberland yeah 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 he uses like math like, sounds puts it in the beat into the beat and yeah. the seinfeld theme song right exactly <laughs> But other than that, it's like he, that's kind of like the Michael Jackson thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they needed a microphone that could handle that type of thing. But what's also interesting is Michael Jackson's engineer, Bruce Swedeen, mm-hmm. he is like a big advocate of not using compression, which is like a dynamic tool to like level oh, out cool. performances. So I think wow. that has a lot to do with it too. So you need the microphone that can handle the dynamic range, yeah. but also not like overly peak or it just, the microphone had to like do all the work. Yeah. So it's a, so, so it's, I think it was, it was just a match between Michael Jackson's voice, the microphone and the engineer Bruce, what his yeah. philosophy was. Man, that's cool. I, it, I really, I also want to point out that the, the Shure SM7 is not like a crazy expensive piece of gear. No. Which is like, that makes it cooler to me. Yeah. I mean, sick. it's nice when things are expensive and they're valuable. And they and sound like, great. But like, I, it's, it's great when there's something that people can go out and buy and use that like, was used on these fucking epically massive Michael Jackson records. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, it's the same thing with like an SM57. Yeah, yeah. It's literally has to have been used on like almost every single live recording. But it's only like 75 bucks. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. That's their great company, I guess. They should sponsor us. Sure, yeah. Sure, so good. Yeah. Not as good as Natty Light. If they made Natty a Light. mic, that would be what Michael Jackson would I think use. if we just start tagging them <laughs> in everything we do, maybe they'll someone, someone in their department will find it. <laughs> You know, man, I want to talk also about like Michael Jackson's um, voice, like where it sits in the mix of a song, because I think this is like super fascinating. It's so interesting to listen to Michael Jackson's songs and listen to how the vocal sits in relationship to all the musical elements, especially in today's music where the vocal is really, really out front and is like the most dominant, dominant thing. Michael Jackson, you know his voice is tucked yeah. in the song where it's like some, sometimes almost too quiet for me, you know? And, and obviously it's a stylistic choice. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, it's, it's got to it, mean something. I think it's cool because to me, it always like it makes it sound like every Michael Jackson record is like a performance. Yeah. Yeah. Which it kind of is. Yeah. I, I think like and that helps like just the living, breathing dynamic of like his music, which always makes his like pop music sound like more like vital. Right. So like I think that I think that stylish of choice is great. Right. Um, and Quincy Jones, obviously, he he knows what he's doing. Yeah, like, like these guys, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. legends, like they're, they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they're doing it's on purpose, you know. But I think it's weird because we do think of like Michael Jackson as like you know I think they call him the king of pop, right? Yeah, <laughs> we think of him as the king of pop, but his part of the reason his his stuff sounds the way that it does is he sort of acquiesces to different parts of the song. Other, he's not just like a vocalist out in front. Right. You know, he's like, oh, there's a cool horn part or oh, there's a cool gospel choir or yeah. it's like all about that in this song, like mm-hmm. the synths coming in or whatever. Um, He like really knows how to be a part of a band. Right. Which yeah, is a really cool strength yeah. for him. Obviously, it probably comes from Jackson 5. That's got to be Growing it. up. Yeah, yeah it's got to like, be. And he, you know, you, you can't overstate the fact that like if you're a child's prodigy and you have all these opportunities and then you work with like the best producer you're gonna get sick results yeah i mean, that's a given <laughs> that's a given but it's cool that he didn't write this song yeah i mean yeah. it's completely opposite from today where like you know most pop stars today like aren't you know obviously this majority of the song is probably written already yeah, yeah and they're yeah. just coming in and tailoring a few of the yeah. lines you know it's it's rare, you know, like he wrote all this music, which yeah. is cool. It's it's like when I read about how Michael Jackson worked on this record and how like the labels wanted him to listen to all these songs from different writers and he didn't really like any of them. Mm-hmm. And then he was also making songs in the studio like 13 hours a day for like yeah. months. I'm just like, man, this I people I do not see anybody doing anything like this. No. It seems like I'm like looking it seems like I'm watching like a period piece TV show about the music industry on netflix right i'm like none of this shit seems real to me oh one thing i want to say i didn't say it in there that the the song one of the songwriters glenn ballard mm. he ended up writing like all the songs on alanis morissette jagged little pill oh, which is kind of crazy you. this yeah, was yeah, like his yeah, breakthrough yeah. his breakthrough gotcha that's all i want to say it's a great breakthrough yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah you know the amount of money made on this song alone you know this was his like his little thing to get his foot in the door this was uh, probably his pension right yeah here. yeah oh man what a great song man in the air New podcast on Wednesday, every Wednesday. Two new songs, two new podcasts every Wednesday. Also, we've got a playlist on Spotify. Uh, it's called Listen to This, L-I-S-T-E-N space, two as a number, space, T-H-I-S. 